With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. Exciting show on tap for tonight. Going to lead off with Victor Wimbanyama, and no, it is not the Britney Spears story. We're not going to be talking in depth about that. He makes his uh, summer, summer league debut tonight in Las Vegas, tonight against, ironically, the second overall pick, Brandon Miller of the Charlotte Hornets. Get to that to start the show in just a moment. Also, so Shohei Otani... We've been talking about him a lot recently, right? He got injured recently, left them out. He's dealing with some sort of a nagging injury. But there's reports, there's rumors, there's speculation about, hey, the Angels are probably going to lose him this offseason in free agency. Given the the stature that Shohei is, hey, did they, did they trade him? I doubt it. But here's the factor I think that comes into, into the situation in terms of whether or not they decide to, to keep him long-term or to move him uh, and decide to, uh, to, to to go into a complete rebuild, which it feels like the Angels have been rebuilding since 2005. I'll uh, get to that later in today's show as well. Also, CP3 joining the Warriors. It is now official. The trade has been made official by the league office, by the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Jordan Poole's already uh, putting on a Washington Wizards uniform, doing videos for them. I anticipate Chris Paul will be doing a press conference or something of that nature pretty soon. And and some really interesting data and information showing that it is it literally does not matter where Chris Paul goes. They instantly get better. I'll get into that later on today's show as well. I'm also going to discuss... Uh, the whole situation regarding the Carolina Panthers. I actually didn't think I'd be talking about the Panthers, but I saw a Bleacher Report article talking about the six biggest shocks of the NFL season that will occur. And one of them is Carolina Panthers win the NFC South. I saw that. I'm like, I don't think that's that's a that'd be wouldn't be shocking to me if that were to occur. We'll see. And then, of course, the Stefan Diggs situation. I haven't really gotten an opportunity to cover that a whole lot, but uh, I think the Buffalo Bills need to move on from Stefan Diggs, a superstar wide receiver but not for the reasons that you might think. I'll get into that later on today's show. But first, Victor Wimbanyama, who's had quite an eventful last 48 hours, I think it's safe to say, but he makes his summer league debut tonight at, I believe, I think it's 9 Eastern, uh, 6 Pacific on ESPN. I'm pretty sure. Let me make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, 9 Eastern, the Spurs take on the Charlotte Hornets. 
uh, in Las Vegas, which we know that's where the, the really the hub of the summer league is. Uh, and of course, Brandon Miller, sort of the, the side story, uh, who's been really struggling in the summer league. Uh, he's going to be playing, obviously, the number one, one overall pick, him being the number two overall pick out of Alabama to Charlotte. So very interested to see that tonight. Obviously, Wimby is the most exciting there's no question number one overall pick that we've had since LeBron James back in 2003 it's only fitting that two decades later we get a player of Wimby's statue and again in a in a league where the overseas component of it right the 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 worldwide impact of the game of basketball has been so fell it's only fitting that the number one overall pick and the most hype pick since LeBron James is an international international player uh, in Victor Wimbanyama what to expect from him tonight like what? What? What is his stat line? What? What? What do? What do we expect him to do in summer league action? Well, the good news that we know about summer league, although not to take too many shots at Brandon Miller, who I think is going to be a solid player, albeit not a a star, and I don't think he'll be live up to being the second overall pick. I think Scoot Henderson will no doubt uh, be a, a superstar uh, in the NBA. I think the Hornets made a mistake passing him, but be that as it may. Brandon Miller found a way somehow to foul out of a summer league game. That is very hard to do because you have to commit ten fouls. I doubt Victor Wimanyama does that tonight. What I want to see from him is the strengths that we looked at Wimby coming in the draft. Scoring ability and shot blocking. That's what we saw from Wimby. Overseas, we're seeing him hit one-legged threes. We're seeing him get to the basket almost at will. And then the, on the defensive end, folks have called him a, a Rudy Gobert, which obviously Rudy Gobert, also from French. Rudy Gobert, but three to four inches taller. Right, just a, a monster shot blocker there. I mean, that's honestly what I think what we expect from Wimby, even when he hits an actual NBA floor against real NBA players starting this October, uh, you know, when the when the Spurs uh tip off against whoever they tip off against and moving forward from there. Like, what do we expect from Wimby from a stat line perspective? Well, in short, I'll say I'll give Wimby, I say scores 18, grab seven boards, no, nine boards. And three blocks. That's a perfectly reasonable summer league debut. Now, listen, I, I don't expect him to put up like a, a Keegan Murray style. I don't know that f- folks have been watching the summer league. Keegan Murray, who was a, a playoff starter for the Sacramento Kings, actually was the most valuable player of the summer league a year ago with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, uh, he's been just tearing up the summer league. He dropped like 41 the other night. It's like, geez, like you got to be, you got to be careful. I don't I want, you know, if I'm a Kings fan, I don't necessarily want Keegan Murray playing a ton of minutes in the summer league. Uh, just so I, I don't want him you know, getting hurt out there. He's a very, very big impact contributor to us last year. But I don't expect that kind of stat line from Wimby. What do we expect from him in the summer league total? And will it, the more important question, is it a good indicator of who he will be in the NBA? Well, not necessarily. If you look at summer league MVP since 2006, looking down the list here, We've had, it would appear, one, I believe so, yeah, one, uh, sorry, two first overall picks being the Summer League MVP, and that being Blake Griffin in 2009 and John Wall in 2010. Since then, we have not had a number one pick in the NBA draft be the Summer League MVP. Now, does that necessarily mean we expect Wimby to just be a disaster out there tonight? Well, not necessarily. I mean, if you remember Zion Williamson, his summer league debut, there's that famous play of then the, uh, the Pelicans were playing the Knicks, and he's taking literally just straight up takes the ball out of Kevin Knox's hands uh, uh, off of a, a Knox rebound and just stuffs it down in typical Zion Williamson fashion. But Zion got hurt in summer league. And that's something else, too, that I want to see from Wimby. 
Because to me, that's the only, you guys know how I feel about the kid. I think he's going to be an absolute super duper star. I think this peak is a top 15 player in the history of the game. But the only concern is, and it's a fair one, his feet. I think Greg Oden dealt with similar issues when he came in. He was this highly touted number one overall pick, big man out of Ohio State back in 2007. Infamously went one pick before Kevin Durant went to the Seattle Supersonics. We understand that. But Greg Oden wasn't the best because Greg Oden wasn't good. It's because physically he couldn't hold up. I want to see if Wimby, because if Wimby can't deal with summer league action, if his body can't hold up rather, because we know the talent can, of course. He's the most he's gonna be the most talented player on every single summer league floor he steps on the rest of the you know for the, these next week and a half or so. The question is, can his body hold up? I think so. I'll give Wimby an 18, 9, and 3 stat line, three blocks. I think he plays well, shoots, you know, looks to get other guys involved, looks to, you know, not necessarily be the focal point of the game necessarily. Uh, you know, that's the beauty of San Antonio is it's not like he's going to New York where the fans are going to be expecting immediately this this seven foot five French kid to just go dominate the league or LA or Dallas or Miami or Chicago or these big American cities. They're going to be expecting him to just ball out at the, at the very beginning. No, he's in San Antonio. They're going to develop him. It's not like they don't have a history of developing great bigs. David Robinson, Tim Duncan, ring a bell potentially. So you look at him and you think he couldn't be going to a better organization to do that. I don't expect a monster game from Wimby, but I do expect a pretty productive game. But either way, will it be an indicator of, oh, he's going to be awesome in the NBA? Or, oh, gosh, this dude's going to be, oh, he's going to be a bust. He's 19 years old. So is Brandon Miller. So are a lot of these kids that are drafted high up in the, in the, in the NBA draft lottery picks. Most of them are 19 you know, at, at best 20 years old. It's a developmental process. Listen, the NBA isn't what it used to be in terms of you would have guys back in the day playing three years in college before they went in the draft. Patrick Ewing being a prime example of that. So I, I, I don't expect instant, not, not productivity in terms of, of uh, living up to the number one pick, but I, I, don't, I don't anticipate Victor Wimbanyama comes in and he's a top 10 player of the NBA. Maybe even top 20. I think that's the more the question. I think that's more the, the, the fair question to ask about Wimby in terms of his production is Summer League, this is more like uh, this is more like the preview to the movie. We're not going to see all the spoilers. We're not going to see uh, all the things that are going to happen from a plot standpoint in the movie. You know, if years ago they'd show the trailer for Avengers Endgame and they, they'd show you what happened. Listen, if any, nobody's seen, I'm not going to like spoil the movie or anything. Well, they probably folks probably wouldn't have watched a three and a half hour movie in the theaters. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that if they just spoil it in two minutes. Same thing with Wimby. I expect a productive night tonight, an exciting, maybe a couple highlight plays here and there. I anticipate like one. Uh, again, I had three blocks and I, I could see one of those blocks being a big time highlight play where he just climbs over everybody and swats it either into the second route row or you know out to half court or something. But if there's anything that we know the San Antonio Spurs to be as a franchise. One of those adjectives we would use to describe them would not exactly be flashy. It'd be, you know, what I mean, they called Tim Duncan the big fundamental. That was his nickname. Like, that's that's kind of San Antonio's brand, and I expect that to be Wimby uh, in his summer league debut. Very, very excited tonight. Uh, nine Eastern, six Pacific uh, on ESPN. The Spurs take on the Hornets. Of course, Brandon Miller uh, will also take the floor, uh, being the second overall pick in this year's draft. So it should be a very, very exciting night uh, in Las Vegas. 
And by the way, I, I hate what's I, I hate that this the the whole um, the whole Britney Spears thing. You know, feel about it however you, you feel. Obviously, the the security footage just came out today from TMZ. TMZ gets their hands onto everything. I mean, they got their hands on the the Draymond Green Jordan Poole punch video. I mean, it's like it's like man, how, how do these how do these folks get all this like that? But I, I do hate that that story is sort of overshadowing. Unless it is at Wimby's NBA debut. Like, everybody's going to be tuning into that. I, I'd be shocked if it's not on national TV. Matter of fact, I'll make a prediction right here. So the Nuggets are the NBA champions. So the NBA champions always start on opening night. It's usually on TNT, like that opening Tuesday night to start the NBA season. I say the Denver Nuggets, the NBA champions, they'll play that 10 o'clock, the, the late East Coast game, 10 Eastern, and they'll play it against the San Antonio Spurs. Because remember, the NBA tried to do this with Zion Williamson, where they put the champion Toronto Raptors as the first game. Obviously, they lost Kawhi at that point, so to give that game some more uh, some more luster, some more excitement, they put the New Orleans Pelicans in that spot because they just drafted Zion. Unfortunately for the viewers, Zion Williamson missed like the first two, three months of the season with an injury. Uh, we certainly hope that's not the case with Wimby. Because uh, again, I think that's the only thing that can hold him back. And what Wimby is, is is different from in Zion, it would appear he takes far better care of his body. He doesn't quite have his man body yet, but that takes time. He'll grow into that. We're always seeing Chet Holmgren grow into that with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So all that to say, I, I, I think uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Spurs play an opening night against the de uh, defending champion Denver Nuggets. Spurs, Nuggets, opening night in the NBA. Wimby's debut. Jokic trying to defend the title. I'm just... I'm predicting it in advance in July. I'm telling you. But again, I, I hate that the whole controversy with the Britney Spears thing and the security guard uh, and, and Wimby sort of like the <laughs> Wimby sort of the innocent bystander in this and that he's just he, he's just literally walking in a hotel and he you know, has no idea what goes on behind him. Uh, so I hope that doesn't completely overshadow, even though it's not his NBA debut. It's a summer league debut. And the game's already sold out in Vegas, by the way. So people, people want to see what this kid's got. It's going to be very, very interesting to see. Very, very exciting. Uh, yeah, John Rivera is excited about it. I'm excited about it. I'm sure y'all are excited about it. It's exciting. It's the only word I used to describe the entire situation with this game. Something else that's really exciting. Shohei Otani's a very exciting player to watch. You know, he's 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 an alien. You know, I called Tom Brady the great outlier, like when he got older was in the MVP conversation at age 44. I remember talking about this on the show a couple of years ago about how he's, he, he's a, he's, he's, he's a cyborg. He is a, we don't, I don't really know what to, to, to do with him. Like you have more touchdown passes in his forties than his twenties. I don't understand what I'm supposed to do with that in terms of how to evaluate that. Like that, that's on a different level of greatness. Show a, we'll, we'll see what happens from a longevity standpoint with him. But he's an alien. He is the most talented baseball player we have ever seen in the history, in the history of Major League Baseball. And it's not even close. What he can do, obviously, from the mound and with the bat in his hands. But he left a game recently, the other day, with an injury. And that sort of prompted the discussion, like, hey, could that have possibly been Shohei Otani's last appearance as a Los Angeles Angel? Could he, Ben Verlander, has a very popular baseball uh, podcast, the, the brother of Justin Verlander, future Hall of Famer. Ben Verlander posed this question, and many others have. Hey, could the Angels trade Shohei Otani before the upcoming trade deadline? Because the reality of the situation is that Shohei's probably going to leave in free agency, and God only knows the bag that he's going to secure <laughs> this winter. 
I'm guessing half a bill. I even saw, I actually read an article saying 700 million. Uh, listen, he's, he's that great of a player. I mean, I, I don't think it's a, a crazy question to ask, just given the, the value he holds to a, a team. The fact that the Angels are even in the playoff picture is in large part due to him and obviously his great teammate, Mike Trout, who unfortunately also got hurt. Will Shohei Otani be traded at the deadline? I'm about 85-15 no. I'm pretty darn confident that it's not going to happen, but I'm leaving at the 15% that it could for this simple reason. Is there a team out there in either league, American League, National League, that not only has the package, because can you imagine, should Shohei be dealt, what the package looks like? Do they have the package? Do they have the prospects? Do they have whatever the case may be? And are they 100% certain? And this would probably take some tampering. So you probably said, I don't know if the uh, Major League Baseball has tampering laws like the NBA. I certainly hope not because I hate the NBA's tampering laws. It's ridiculous. But do they have laws set in place where an agent uh, can't talk to other teams when his player is with uh, uh, another team? Can they be 100% certain that Shohei's going to stay long-term? Because... Let's just say, for example, I heard the Baltimore Orioles posed as a potential um, bidder. And obviously, the Orioles have had a tremendous season. How about, by the way, can I just, uh, just an aside in the action, did you see what the Baltimore Orioles did to the Yankees yesterday? The Yankees lose. <laughs> Every second of that, I must say. Every second of it. But point being, Baltimore's got plenty of prospects. Baltimore's got plenty of young players. Baltimore's got plenty of momentum. They would have a package to land Shohei, I would think, at least. But would Shohei stay? We've heard plenty of teams pose. Dodgers, you know, wouldn't be that far of a move for Shohei. Going from uh, going from Anaheim to, uh, to, to, to Hollywood. The Yankees, which the Yankees aren't landing Shohei, but the Yankees have been posed. The Mets were posed, although given their now the Mets are playing better as of late. They're uh, once the once the calendar flipped to July, the Mets started to just turn on immediately. So listen, we'll see what happens with them. But I highly doubt the Mets land them. I've even heard some insiders in Boston saying the Red Sox, please God, make that happen, are making a push towards Shohei Otani. I would be over the moon if that were to be the case this offseason. Do any of those teams have the proper package? Or do they decide to run the risk of, hey, we'll wait till the offseason and then we'll get into the Shohei Otani business? Because if you decide not to make the move for him, you run the risk that somebody else does and you run the risk in free agency that somebody else has a better deal for Shohei and a more attractive situation. If you do trade for him, now you're questioning, is he going to stay? But there's also the security of, well, we got him. <laughs> the most coveted player in all of Major League Baseball. He plays for us now. It's an interesting question to ask, and obviously the Angels are in a position where, you know, they would prefer not to lose Shohei Otani for nothing because in all likelihood he isn't going to leave, we would think. I just think it's a very interesting question to ask. And listen, should, should you have a Ken Rosenthal out there or a uh, Jeff Passan or, or one of these, these great insiders? Come out and say, like, hey, the Angels are are in conversations with other teams to to deal this guy. Oh, my goodness. You want to talk about a, a race to try and make that deal happen. And again, but 
if you were to get in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes, you've got to be 100% certain that he is going to stay long-term. Like, if, if again, I don't know what the, the rules are in terms of what a deadline for an extension would be uh, in the middle of the season. Again, we are in July, so like right in the dead in the middle of the baseball season. I don't know if there's any rules in terms of whether they would be allowed to, after the trade is made, sign him to an extension. But you would need either a word from Shohei, from his agent, and basically say, hey, we will give you literally whatever you want from a compensation standpoint because Shohei is that great. I don't know. Just for chaos purposes, I'd love to see it. Let's see. Uh, John Rivera has a suggestion for, for Shohei's contract. $600 million for 13 years. I could see that. Yeah, maybe I'm selling him short with the half a bill. <laughs> He's that great of a player. Barry Grant Jr. is in the comments. He says, no team is going to liter want to literally empty out their farm system for rental. If you can't retain him, you will put your franchise back a decade. That's kind of what I'm saying, that <laughs> the only way a team makes a deal for Shohei, heck, makes an offer for Shohei, is, with the, is if they have 100%, not 99 100% certainty he's staying long-term. But again, if I'm a team that is that Shohei is considering. Again, these, these insiders know a lot more than I do. These, these, these organizations know a lot more than I do. If they are confident they, they are in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes regardless going into this winter, then there's no way they're going to make a deal. Because as Barry mentioned in the comments, you're going to want to retain all your assets. You want so, so that if you do add Otani, you got Otani, Otani, and the other guys and prospects that you would have traded for him. It's gonna be fun. All, all I know is I, I hope he I hope he gets back on the field quickly. Or maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe pull a Lamar Jackson. You know, Lamar got hurt in that game against the Broncos in December. And I remember coming out in the on the show a couple weeks after the injury happened. And I'm like, I have a hard time believing, given the the severity of the injury, that Lamar is not at least somewhat ready to come back. I mean, guys play through injuries all the time in the NFL. And then as it got closer and closer to the playoffs, I'm like, okay, I don't want to see Lamar Jackson in the field the rest of the season. Like, don't, don't jeopardize it because the Ravens' offense was struggling. Don't. And the Angels are in a losing streak as we sit here today. So, I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be bad. Again, given, I, I don't know how long Shohei is, is on the DL, if he's on the, I'm sorry, the, the IL, if he's on the IL at all. I'm actually curious about it. Is Shohei on the IL? Let's see. Shohei Otani. Uh, Trout's on the IL. No, there's, there's no, okay. It's a finger blister. My bad. It's a finger blister. So it's not, it's nothing. It's nothing, uh, major, but it'd be interesting if Shohei decides to sit out a little bit, see if the angels continue to struggle. They're in the midst of the wild card. I think they're only four games back at that last spot. I don't know. Barry says, I'll tell you this. He won't sign early. I don't disagree with that at all. No, let 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 the bidders come in. Like wait, see, because you know, whenever they can have the discussions uh, on a potential deal, because that's what Judge did. Aaron Judge last year, who was obviously the most coveted uh, offseason free agent, is he waited a little bit. He had conversations, obviously, with the Yankees, who he of course resigned with. He had conversations with the Giants. He kind of sat back for a minute, see see how the market plays out. I don't know. The only downside, though, from a, I, I guess it's, this is going to sound selfish as a fan. The only, because I'm not sure there's a whole lot of things Shohei can do to, to, uh, 
to make his market go up, I mean, he's the best player in baseball. It's hard to, it's hard to boost it up. Is that he's got 31 homers. Is he in range of Aaron Judge's AL single season home run record? Potentially, if you were to go on a crazy tear, you know, coming out of the All-Star break, maybe. Can you imagine that? Show hits 50 bombs, puts up the pitching numbers that he does. Because he just had probably the greatest June in the history of Major League Baseball from a single player. If we're being honest. I mean, Jeff Passan came out with the numbers uh, recently. I did a segment on it last week, I think. Last week, a couple weeks ago, talking about just the the historical significance of what Shohei was doing. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Like, his on-base percentage was... Or not, his, uh, no, his slugging percentage was like 300 points ahead of second place. It was something crazy. He's, 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 he's a generational talent. By the way, just now, while we're on baseball, before we move on uh, to football, before we move on to Stefan Diggs, I just wanted to to throw it out there that the Red Sox against the first place Texas Rangers just took two out of three. Had a big seventh inning last night, by the way. Big seventh inning. Started by Kike Hernandez and just rolling off from there. They're only three games back of wild card spot. Toronto, New York tied for that last spot. And uh, I don't know, Yankees fans, I already played the big poppy soundbite, but I feel like maybe just playing it again because it's it's indicative of how bad you were against the Orioles last night. Let me hear it, poppy. <laughs> Yankees lose. <laughs> Team to one. I know Baltimore's good, like really good. Like Baltimore's a title contender. 14 and one in your home, your home field. I'm telling you, they can't survive. <laughs> they can't survive without Aaron Judge. It's unbelievable. But listen, the Yankees are an organization that is completely, and I do mean completely, look at the numbers over the last half decade. Reliant on the home run ball. And in today's Major League Baseball, we understand home run home runs and strikeouts are all the rage. We get that. But there's a uh someone important to get on base to hit for average. By the way, the Red Sox have a lot of guys that can do that. And you know, it's a talent gap. You should say the Yankees should have this huge gap, even without Aaron Judge over the Red Sox. And there's only a, a three-game difference. And we have taken five out of six against the Yankees thus far this season. Just throwing that out there. By the way, Red Sox got a three-game, not to be too Red Sox, uh, you know, centric. I know they're not necessarily one of the more relevant teams in Major League Baseball, but they have won more titles in the 21st century than anybody, so might as well. Um, Red Sox going to the three-game series with the lowly Oakland Athletics at home. Maybe a chance to close the, close the wild card gap to a couple games, maybe one game. I don't know. I'm not saying the Red Sox are title contenders. Not saying that. Although our pitching is getting hot. Very exciting. It's been a fun Red Sox team to watch. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's it's been a it's been a interesting year. I feel like I figured it'd be a rebuilding year, but you know what I always say about the Red Sox? They're one of those organizations where when they suck, it ain't for long. You know, because they they won in 04, had a couple of down years, one in 07, were really good in 08, should have won in 08. Uh, but Tampa got us. Uh, then had a, some some rough years in between. 2012 of the worst record in baseball. 2013 won the World Series, and then 2014-15 last in the AL East, won three straight division titles, won the World Series in 2018. One of the greatest teams in the history of Major League Baseball. And then kind of has been a mediocre, really good 2021. Then mediocre 2022. Hey, I'll I'll take a playoff appearance. I'll take it. I won't be. I won't be complaining on this show. Very exciting. Okay, Stefan Diggs. I haven't really gotten an opportunity to 
to discuss this in depth because there's been a lot with going on with the Dame story. By the way, this is our first show in a while where we haven't been talking about Damian Lillard. It feels kind of, and I love Dame. I don't love the story. It's been kind of, it's kind of refreshing not to constantly be discussing that. But um, step on Diggs. So there's the whole tiff between he, uh, between him, between the head coach Sean McDermott and the whole Buffalo Bills organization. And there's been a real disconnect, certainly between the Bills and their transparency with the media, with the fan base, and with I guess all of us. That what's the status of Stephon Diggs? You know, is he? Is there? Is 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 it this? A, a, when there's smoke, there's fire situation. Well, I think the short answer to that would be yes. I mean, Sean McDermott did. Uh, he did go to the media recently. He was talking about Stephon Diggs when that whole situation was going on. And he said he was very concerned about Stephon Diggs' situation. And then he paused. And then he emphasized, very concerned. And then he had Josh Allen, who was doing an interview on a podcast recently, saying, uh, you know, I wish the media would stop talking about this. Well, maybe we wouldn't be talking about this if your head coach hadn't verbalized this. If there hadn't been all this, again, we, we talk about, you know, teams going into a season with momentum. And I have said all offseason, all offseason, I am not a believer in the Buffalo Bills. And, as, and, 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 and listen, if the Bills were in the NFC, that'd be a different story. If they were in the NFC, obviously the Bills would have the best quarterback by a pretty significant margin in that conference. But they lost their defense coordinator, Leslie Frazier, a season after they lost Brian Dable, who went to the New York Giants. We saw the impact he had on the Giants, and on Daniel Jones in particular, and the after-effect in Buffalo of what that had on Josh Allen. This is one of those short-term loss, long-term game situations if you're the Buffalo Bills. Stephon Diggs is going into his ninth year in the NFL. He's been one of the, you could argue, five or six best receivers in the NFL in that span. You know, since 2015. You know, you have to consider guys like at the start of that time period, you think about Antonio Brown, you think about Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson retired after Stephon Diggs' first year, so you have that component too. Uh, you know, obviously, as time's gone on, guys like Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, newer players like Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, Debo Samuel, like guys like that. He's been one of the, the more productive wide receivers in all football, which is exactly why you trade him now. I'll explain. I will again reemphasize Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The, I can imagine, unpopular opinion that I do not see the Buffalo Bills as contenders in 2023. They had a rough second half of the season. I understand they went 13 and 3. I get that. But did you watch the playoffs? They beat Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins at home at one point in the game, having, I believe, a 17 to nothing lead. That game was over. But Josh Allen turned the ball over, some questionable calls, let Miami back in the game, and seventh-round rookie Skylar Thompson almost beat you on your home field when you had a 17-0 lead. And, of course, you host the Cincinnati Bengals the very next week and get hosed. And you lose your defensive coordinator, and you lose numerous. You lost an important linebacker this offseason. 
And now you have the Stefan Diggs situation. Meanwhile, in that con- in that division, I'm sorry, forget the conference. Was Kansas City's getting better? Jags, Jags are absolutely getting better. I'm very bullish on the Jaguars this season. Just in that division. The Jets added this guy. You might have heard of him. His name is Aaron Rodgers. He's a bit of an upgrade over Zach Wilson, I think it's fair to say. So the Jets got better. The Dolphins got better, adding Jalen Ramsey, who I don't think is, is the huge upgrade. I'll tell you who is a big upgrade, though. Vic Fangio, their new defensive coordinator, probably a top three defensive coordinator in all of football. The only question for the Miami Dolphins is, can Tua stay healthy? And if he's healthy, can he improve off of a pretty solid year three? I've been a Tua skeptic for the longest time after being very high on him coming out of the 2020 draft. But if he improves off of last year and stays healthy, yeah, the Dolphins are a dangerous football team. There's no question about that. They're improved defensively and offensively. They got plenty of weapons. Plenty. And a great offensive coach, by the way. And the New England Patriots, while I don't believe in them even in the slightest, I would be remiss if I didn't say they got better. They added Juju Smith-Schuster. They added Mike Gusecki. They replaced uh, Matt Patricia, who is a defensive coordinator, with an actual offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, who I don't think is that good of an offensive coordinator, but at least he's an offensive coordinator. So the Patriots at least have some reason to be optimistic. Now that optimism will be tampered quite a bit because Mac Jones is their quarterback, and there's uh, the, the, we talk about a ceiling. I'm not sure there's uh, I'm not sure that there's even a as Michael Jordan would say, the ceiling is the roof. I'm not sure where that ceiling is or how low it is, rather, with Mac Jones, your quarterback, but that's another story for a, another show. What does Miami, Miami, what does Buffalo have to be excited about this offseason? Bite the bullet this year. Take your medicine. Trade Stefan Diggs. You'll get a big haul for him. You've got some nice offensive pieces. you got Dalton Kincaid, who I think is going to be a very good tight end, the kid out of Utah. I don't think Gabe Davis is a number one receiver, but I think he's a very productive two. The question is, can they add somebody else to the deadline? We'll see about that. They've got a solid running back, James Cook. And Buffalo's got a talented enough roster to get to the playoffs. And they got a good enough quarterback where, despite some of the holes in the roster, and there are many, he's good enough to get them there. I think Josh Allen's the fourth best quarterback in football. He's, he's an elite player. But they're not contending this year. But... With the assets that they can get off of Stefan Diggs trade, yeah, they could be they could be a factor in the AFC for years to come. It's sort of the lose the battle, win the war situation. That's kind of where I see the Buffalo Bills at this particular moment in time. Not necessarily trading Stefan Diggs because oh, he's this horrible guy in the locker room. Haven't heard anything regarding that since he's been in Buffalo. Matter of fact, he's been an incredible asset to the Buffalo Bills. But there's sort of that saying about. You know, people that are good for you for a certain time period, but not after that. And certain people, maybe you have to 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 uh, to cut out of your life to a certain degree. Maybe that's the Buffalo Bills with Stephon Diggs, where they needed him because Josh Allen had an awful rookie season in 2018, a solid uh, second year campaign in 2019. They got to the playoffs. They had Stephon Diggs in 2020. If if I'm not mistaken, I think Josh Allen might have finished second for MVP that year to Aaron Rodgers, and the Bills got to the AFC title game. They obviously had a solid 2021, came within famously 13 seconds of going to a second straight AFC title game. But then they took a big step back this year and get blown off their home field in the divisional round by Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I'm sorry, if I look at the AFC today, who are the teams I think are better than Buffalo? Just in their division. Miami's better. Jets are better. Go to the AFC West. Kansas City's undeniably better. I think the Broncos are better with adding Sean Payton. 
Sean Payton can make any quarterback work, so I think he's going to fix Russell Wilson to a certain degree. I don't trust Brandon Staley in the slightest, so I'll, I'll put the Chargers aside for the moment. AFC North, Baltimore's better, Cincinnati's better. From a roster standpoint, Pittsburgh might be better, but obviously Kenny Pickett, while I like him, is not Josh Allen, so I'll I'll, I'll be nice to Buffalo. And then NF, I'm sorry, AFC South, Jaguars are better. So that's seven teams, eight teams that I think are better than Buffalo. That would have them missing the playoffs. With Stefan Diggs. Take your medicine now. You'll be better for it in the long run. That's what I would do if I were the Buffalo Bills. And it removes a, a big a big negative, a big distraction for your team. Not necessarily saying that Stefan Diggs himself is that, but the the whole the, the vibes, the energy, the the storylines behind it and around it will be a factor for the Bills this upcoming season. And don't don't kid yourself. There, there'll be there will be plenty of bidders for a player of Stefan Diggs caliber. He's still a thousand yard receiver, 10 touchdown guy. He's still a very productive player in this league. All right. Back to the NBA, and then we'll shift to the NFL to an NFC South team. Uh, the Carolina Panthers in particular. But I want to talk about I want to talk about Chris Paul. So the trade became official yesterday. Chris Paul to the Warriors, Jordan Poole as well as guys like Patrick Baldwin Jr., who I, I hate that we traded Patrick Baldwin Jr., PB&J, because I think I think the kid's going to be a really nice player in the NBA. I, I really do. He's a really good spot at three-point shooter. Um, and I think, uh, who's the other kid we drafted? Ryan Rollins last year was part of that deal as well. So those three players, Jordan Poole being the headliner, to Washington, to the Wizards, Chris Paul to the Golden State Warriors. You guys know how I've, I felt about that trade since the beginning. He's not great for Jordan Poole. He uh, for, not forget from an on-court standpoint, from a locker room standpoint, and in terms of on the court, from an efficiency standpoint, from a from a leadership standpoint, from a getting other guys involved standpoint, and being better in the second unit standpoint. But real quick before we talk about Chris Paul, um, I did want to sort of dive into quickly, and then I'll get to CP3, something that Steph Curry did late last night, early this morning. He he was uh, he put basically a tribute video. We'll play the sound bite. Uh, talking about Jordan Poole and talking about how he appreciated Jordan Poole and uh, how he's excited to have CP3 in the building. So uh, here's the soundbite from uh, from the two-time MVP and four-time champion Steph Curry regarding his now former teammate Jordan Poole and his new teammate Chris Paul. Yo, so now that the uh, the trade is actually final, I felt like I come on here and <clears throat> just say to JP. How much I appreciate the four years, brother. Um, you're a champion. Uh, you grew up, you know, right in front of everybody's face in terms of, you know, that first year where it was it was rough and a lot of injuries and, you know, was trying to find your way to going to the G League and coming back and helping us finish 15 and five down the stretch of that your second year, us winning a championship your third year. Um, and fighting to the end, you know, this past year. So can't wait to see you blossom, big fella. Can't wait to see you shine in your own situation. And just looking forward to, you know, competing, obviously, with being a fan of, of everything that you become. Good luck to you. And, you know, CP, can't wait to rock with you, brother. It's going to be different with us on the same side. Let's get it. Let's get it. So, Steph Curry, uh, obviously the majority of that video was about Jordan Poole. And... I want to give Steph Curry a, obviously a lot of credit, but a lot of, I want to put a lot of attention on what he just did with that video. 
again, early this morning on the East Coast, late last night on the West Coast when he put that out. What that did was it removed not just Warriors players, but more importantly, the Warriors organization away from the negativity that was Jordan Poole and the uh, stories surrounding that. Obviously, the majority of them stemming from the infamous punch by Draymond Green against Jordan Poole nine months ago in training camp. Um, of course, that pretty much uh, was the first domino that fell that doomed my Warriors' opportunity and chances to repeat in 2023. So what Steph did right there is he just quelled anything else that was going to come out of this this uh, back and forth between Poole and the Warriors. You see, you know what? I'm going to pay tribute to the guy. He helped us win a championship a year ago. He's you know young guy. We we saw him basically grow up in the NBA for the first four years of his career, and we're going to wish him all the very best. There's no better spokesperson for the Golden State Warriors to make that statement than Steph Curry. So hats off to him. Uh, now, again, I think there's the whole two things can be true situation in that. Do I think that was genuine by Steph? I do. I, I don't think Steph was BSing that that entire uh, Instagram story video. What can also be true is that we needed to do this. Chris Paul makes us a better basketball team today. Steph, and in particular, Clay, when they were doing interviews for the for the TNT, the match, uh, the golf uh, match between Steph and Clay and versus Patrick uh, Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, which to my chagrin, and I, I like the Chiefs, but I'm a Warriors fan. Uh, Mahomes and Kelsey just destroyed Steph and Clay. Clay is, uh, let's just say, not the golfer, the, the, the splash brother Steph is. Anyways. But you heard Stephen Clay talking about Chris Paul like he's better for us now. He brings leadership. He's a he's a very smart basketball player. He's been around the block. He understands how to win at the highest level. So that was very smart. And I give Steph a lot of credit for sort of removing any bad vibes that surrounded Jordan Poole, surrounded the Warriors organization. Just get that out of the building with Poole. So I give him a lot of credit for doing that. As for Chris Paul. Again, I've, I've give, I sort of gave my in-depth reaction when the trade first happened because the trade broke the day that it broke. It was like an hour and a half before my show. And the funny thing was, it, it was draft day when it happened. I wasn't going to do a show that day, but when it broke, I'm like, oh my God, I got it. I got to do a show now. I got to do a show now. We had Chris Paul. Clay Thompson was talking about this when he was doing interviews, doing a, that sort of press tour for the match. And Steph has alluded to this as well. That... Every single team that Chris Paul's been a part of, he's made better. And we hear that all the time. Oh, this guy makes this team better and and, and all this and all that. And who are they with him or without him? We've, we've heard that oftentimes. Remember when Kevin Durant was with the Warriors? It was like, hey, the Warriors with KD and when Steph plays and without KD when Steph plays. It's like they're actually better with Steph. Obviously, they're a better team with Kevin Durant. But you get the vibe. Like There was, there was a whole discussion surrounding that. I looked at this today. It is staggering throughout CP3's career. This is going to be now, he came in in 05, so this is going to be his uh, 19th year in the NBA. Every single one of his five previous stops before his sixth one now in Golden State, every single one, he has made them significantly better. I'll read this off to the podcast audience, but here's the graphic for the, for the YouTube and Twitter audience. So the New Orleans Hornets, and they, were, they, they weren't even the Charlotte Hornets. They weren't even the New Orleans Pelicans. It was the New Orleans Hornets back in the day. The year before they drafted Chris Paul out of Wake Forest, they went 18-64 and 64 
They won 22% of their basketball games. The Los Angeles Clippers the year before Chris Paul joined. We know the dumpster fire organization that that was, in particular with Donald Sterling as the owner for the better part of five decades. 2010-2011 season, they were 32-50, and 50, not close to the playoffs, winning 39% of their basketball games. Now, the Houston Rockets here, this is interesting, right? 2016-17, they went 55-27. and 27. They won 67% of their basketball games. That will work, right? They were the three seed in the Western Conference. James Harden finished second for MVP. Mike D'Antoni was a big addition to that basketball team that, you know, obviously they lost in the second round to San Antonio. Harden didn't play well in that game six, but they had a good season given the expectations. Oklahoma City, 2018-19 season. Remember, that was the last year of Westbrook and Paul George. 49-33, and 33, solid. You know, went off of 50. They won essentially 60% of their games. Now, they did get bounced in the first round in a gentleman's sweep against Dame and the Blazers. But, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a solid 49-33 is nothing to, to, to shame or to be, to be uh, uh, embarrassed of. And then the 2019-20 through 20 Phoenix Suns. 34 and 39. We all remember in the bubble where they barely made the cut just to get in the bubble. They go eight and no and come that close to making the what was essentially the inaugural play in tournament, uh, which obviously the Memphis Grizzlies and the Portland Trailblazers were able to get in. But, you know, book went off. He hit that buzzer beater. I remember against the Clippers and the Suns went eight and no in the bubble, almost made the playoffs. They won 46, 47% of their games that entire regular season. With Chris Paul. The Hornets go from 18 wins to 38 wins. Now, they've missed the playoffs, only won 46% of their games, but uh, 22% to 46%, I think you will take that. At least you would have back in the day if you were a New Orleans Hornets fan. You look at the Los Angeles Clippers, right? They were 32-50 and 50 before Chris Paul. They trade for him December of the 2011-2012 season, and they go 40. And again, in a lockout-shortened season, 40-26. and 26. They go from winning about 39% of their games to winning 60, 61% of their games. The Houston Rockets, who had a, a very a very successful, by their standards, by what we expected of them coming into that season, 2016-17, hey, they were 55-27. and 27. Guess what? They traded for Chris Paul, and in 2017-2018, they went from 55 wins to 65 wins. And as we all remember... I don't, I'm not one who subscribes to this thought pattern. I'm not, never have been. But there's a lot of folks out there that believe had Chris Paul not gotten injured, had he not hurt his hamstring in game five of the Western Conference Finals against my Warriors, that Houston would have beat Golden State, the KD Golden State Warriors in the 2018 Conference Finals, and all, in all likelihood would have won the title against the Cleveland Cavaliers that year. 2019-20, the Oklahoma City Thunder go from winning about 50-odd percent of their games to 61% of their games. As we all remember, Chris Paul took over an OKC team that we all assumed was going to tank. Not only did they not tank, they were the five seed. And if not for a James Harden block on Lou Dort, they had gotten to the second round. And then you look at the Phoenix Suns, who I think you could argue made the biggest impact from a winning standpoint. They go from about 34 wins to 51 wins and winning 71% of their games and coming within two wins away from an NBA title. And in all five, I'd actually take Houston out of it because Houston didn't have that many young players when he joined. In all of those stops, in particular, the Clippers, the Thunder, and the Suns. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He made all of the young guys, the young, talented guys, the highly touted draft prospects, he made all of them better. Please tell me, the audience, especially if you happen to be one of the 13 people on planet Earth who are Clippers fans. Can you uh, can you tell me what DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin have done absent Chris Paul in their careers? Now, DeAndre Jordan just did just win a championship, but obviously he was more of a, a vet presence on the bench. I'm not bashing DeAndre Jordan in that regard. Like, hats off to him that the Nuggets needed his leadership. But from an on-court standpoint, folks, DeAndre Jordan was an all-NBA, first-team all-NBA. First-team all-NBA when Chris Paul was his point guard. Blake Griffin, CP3, made him so much better. We're starting to think, hey, this is Blake Griffin's team. Heck no, what were they doing with Blake Griffin? CP3 steps in to make the playoffs every single year. He takes the Clippers from a, and this is again, a lot of these years, the now disgraced owner Donald Sterling was the owner. He was having to deal with that. The Clippers go from, I mean, bottom feeders in the NBA to, could they win the Western Conference? Now, of course, they're the Clippers and they would find a way to screw it up. So they didn't. But uh, are we having those conversations if Chris Ball never steps foot in LA with the LA Clippers? I highly doubt it. And you think about Oklahoma City, again, a team that was expected to tank. Remember, part of the deal that brought Paul George to the LA Clippers, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who we all saw this year, averaged 32 points a game. You think having Chris Paul as a teammate didn't help him a little bit? From a leadership standpoint, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, SGA, has been known to be a very good leader in Oklahoma City from reports that I've read coming out of there. Sure, he learned a lot of that because Chris Paul, being another guard, being a much smaller guard, different game than Shea Gilgis, but a guy who's known to get on people in practice, in games, kind of an old school type of leader, Jimmy Butler, if you will, sort sort of leadership. And then in Phoenix, and Draymond Green was talking about this on Paul George's podcast. By the way, top three podcast in uh, in basketball, the old man of the three with JJ Redick. The Draymond Green Show with Draymond Green and Podcast P with Paul George. The three best basketball podcasts there are out there. I highly recommend all of them. But Draymond Green was on Paul George's podcast recently. And he he alluded to the point that I'm about to make now. Hey, Phoenix Suns fans, uh, NBA fans. Remember watching a whole lot of DeAndre Ayton highlights? His first couple of years of his career? Me neither, because there wasn't any. He was the number one overall pick in the 2018 draft. He was taken over, infamously, over Luka Doncic and Trey Young. And was thought by many after two years to be a draft bust. And then here comes Chris Paul, and it's all of a sudden, the Phoenix Suns are in the finals, and DeAndre DeAndre Ayton gets a highly lucrative lucrative contract last offseason by the Phoenix Suns. And many argue... 
correctly, I believe, the Suns would not have made the conference. I'm sorry, would not have made the NBA Finals in 2021 if not for DeAndre Ayton's contributions. Well, that's because Chris Paul got in DeAndre Ayton's behind, was constantly pushing him to get better in practice over and over. The Golden State Warriors just so happened to have a very talented young wing player by the name of Jonathan Kaminga. You don't think Chris Paul is going to make Kaminga better? If nothing else, we know that Chris Paul loves loves his lob threats. Now, there's a good chance Chris Paul is going to play a ton of minutes with Jonathan Kaminga next season, given the fact that he will, in all likelihood, come off the bench, which Kaminga has been. You get a veteran who's great with young players, who pushes young players, gets on them, but push. I mean, I, I remember a few years ago, I remember reading a Devin Booker interview, and Devin Booker was had had, a to that point, before Chris Paul got to Phoenix, a far more successful career than DeAndre. And we did not view D-Book as a bust whatsoever, but from a winning basketball standpoint, you know, you, you didn't really see a whole lot of that from D-Book, although a lot of that was because Phoenix was a, a garbage organization, led mostly by a, a horrendous owner who's no longer there. And that's somebody else, too, a young player who worked with CP3, Devin Booker. Jonathan Gominga is 21 years old, rangy, athletic, long, improving three-point shooter, has all the tools to be an all-star in the NBA. Again, he was taken sixth overall by my Warriors in 2021. Could you ask, could you ask for a better veteran to put with that guy coming off the bench than CP3? Again, I will put up the stats. The Charlotte Hornets, the year before Chris Paul got there, won 22% of their games. When he arrived, they won 46% of their games. The Los Angeles Clippers, before Chris Paul got there, won 39% of their games. When he got there, 61% of their games. The Houston Rockets won 67% of their games before Chris Paul got there. When he arrived, 79% of their games. The Oklahoma City Thunder won about 60% of their games the year before Chris Paul got there. When he arrived, 61. So not a huge jump, but a jump. And finally, the Phoenix Suns won 46, 47% of their games the year before Chris Paul got there. When he arrived, they won 71% of their games and made the NBA Finals. Am I crazy? Am I out of my mind to believe that a guy who was in the running for MVP two years ago would have finished second on my ballot. A guy who was the second best player on a 65-win team a couple years ago as well. A guy who led the league in assists that year. A guy who was top five in assists last year and was fourth in assist-to-turnover ratio in the NBA. Am I supposed to believe that he's just going to be this disaster in Golden State? This is going to be a seamless fit. And folks talk about, oh, what about the pick and roll with Chris Paul? They run a lot of, Chris Paul runs a lot of pick and roll. Uh, did you watch the playoffs and how much the pick and roll Steph Curry ran with Kevon Looney, with Draymond Green? More now, now more than ever, they run a lot of it in Golden State. It's in large part part of the reason that Klay Thompson struggled to a certain degree. So Chris Paul is going to be a seamless fit for the Golden State Warriors. He'll be great for their young players, Kaminga, Moses Moody, Kaminga in particular, but Moody as well. Cannot wait. By the way, Warriors, all I'm asking is two deals. Mike Dunleavy Jr., could you please, and I beg if you please get the Dario Sarge deal done. Been having to wait a week. 
A week ago today. Oh, Dario Saric, the Warriors. It's, it's, it might as well be a done deal. Seven days later, the deal ain't done. So please, please find a way to make this happen, Dunleavy. Please. He's a perfect thing goal to stay. 6'10", you know, good wing, can shoot the three. Please, please make it happen, Mike Dunleavy Jr. And also, a reunion guy. Can we please, for size purposes, to add to our bench, can we please bring JaVale McGee back? I'm just saying. I'd, I'd, love, I'd love, love to bring JaVale back. I was heartbroken when we had to let him go. Uh, about, what was it, five? Man, that was five years ago. I can't believe it was that long ago. Uh, JaVale will be a perfect fit. Oh, uh, see, Barry, you should be a lawyer. Just get ready for disappointment. Disappointment? Do I need to show the stats again? Do I need to show that every single team that CP3 has joined has gotten better? And I'm supposed to believe Golden State? Golden State is going to get worse? Is going to somehow fall apart? Hard time believing that. He made the New Orleans Hornets a relevant basketball operation. He did the same for the Clippers. When the Clippers were, oh, God, the Clippers. Ugh. Oh, that's a man. They don't, they're a dumpster fire. We, we looked at the Clippers then the way we look at like the Detroit Pistons now. They're terrible for 50 years, essentially, before Chris Paul got there. The Phoenix Suns had not made the playoffs in 11 years before Chris Paul joined. Since the Steve Nash days, first season he joins, they go to the NBA Finals. Second season, albeit they collapsed at the hands of the Dallas Mavericks. Who's. Chris Paul was bad in that series. Devin Booker was bad in that series. And Luka Doncic took the soul out of that Phoenix Suns team. But they did win 65 games. And then last season, CP3 fourth in assist to turnover ratio. Again, I've heard the argument over and over again. Ah, oh, they gave up a 20-point-per-game score in Jordan Poole. A, we gave up a 20-point-per-game score in Jordan Poole on inefficient shooting. And B, Golden State's issue is an offense. They got numerous guys who can get buckets. Obviously, the Splash Brothers, Stephen Clay can get buckets. Wiggs can get buckets. Looney is a threat every night to go for a double-double. Uh, Kaminga can score in double figures. So can Moses Moody. That's not the issue. You know what the issue has been? Golden State, since the day Steve Kerr arrived, turnovers. That's been their Achilles heel for the last eight years. They, the turnovers have often doomed some Golden State Warriors either playoff runs or have put them in holes in playoff series because of their frenetic style of play. Oh. Chris Paul don't turn the ball over. Certainly not even close to the level that Jordan Poole did. I can't wait. I'm excited for this. Just add Dario Saric, add JaVale McGee. We will have ourselves one heck of a roster. Again, I see the East is deeper than the West this year. I think with or without Dame, Miami's a contender. Folks, they I mean, they just made the finals. Come on now. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to think Miami's just going to stink this year. Miami's a contender. Milwaukee's going to be back. They'll be a contender with an upgraded head coach, I believe. Uh, Boston. I, I, Boston's in a weird spot. Again, I talked about yesterday's show with the whole Grant Williams trade that uh, the fact they acquired all those second-round picks. And again, in a deal involving Grant Williams and Reggie Bullock, all they got was... According to Shams, multiple second-round picks. Again, remember the trade deadline. The Bucks traded all those second-round picks for Jay Crowder. The Warriors traded all those second-round picks to bring Gary Payton the second back. Something tells me Boston's going to do something with, they're just going to compile those second-round picks 
and turn into an impact player for him because otherwise it's a very odd offseason to trade Marcus Smart and to trade a uh, sign and trade, but to trade Grant Williams. But I still think Boston will be in the in the thick of the East. I mean, it's hard to hard to see otherwise. Uh, who else? I think uh, the Knicks, I don't see the Knicks as title contenders necessarily, but I would not be shocked if they're once again in the second round. Uh, Philadelphia, I don't buy in the slightest. I have not bought Philadelphia since, well, ever. <laughs> Outside, 2019, I think it's the one year where I was like, okay, Philadelphia can win. Of course, actually, no, I actually picked, uh, before the 2019-20 season, I actually picked the Sixers to get to the finals that year. I actually did pick the Sixers to go to the finals. That's the last time I believed in Philadelphia. I'll believe it when I see it when Joel Embiid gets to a freaking conference finals. Is that too much to ask for an MVP? Uh, who else out east? I don't buy Atlanta as a title contender. So yeah, that's that's where we're at. And then out west, I got, I got three contenders. The Nuggets, the Warriors, the Lakers. Say, Bryson, how in God's name are you not including Phoenix? Well, simply put, they have essentially no defenders. Their best two play, sorry, two of their best three players can't stay healthy. Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and they still don't have a point guard. Still, to their credit, one of my questions about them was their bench. They took care of that. I'll give I'll give them a lot of credit for that. You know, the, the, the GM uh, James Jones props to him for for getting a good bench, but they still don't have a point guard. I'm just saying. I'm excited. I'm listen. I'm excited about the upcoming NBA season. I cannot. I I am beside myself excited for this upcoming 2023 NFL season. By the way, on that note, a little bit of an announcement on carving up live at the end of today's show. I probably should have said that at the beginning of the show, but I'll, a little little announcement at the end of carving it up uh, today. But before that, I was reading this article on uh, Bleacher Report, great sports media source, obviously. And there was an article here by, uh, when I want to give credit, uh, Gary Davenport. Gary, Gary Davenport wrote an article. It's called Six NFL Players and Teams That Will Defy Expectations in 2023. And so some of these are uh, Derrick Henry will lead the NFL in rushing at 30 years old. So I think that's a relatively bold prediction. This one I think is, is nuts. The Cleveland Browns will win the AFC North. No, they won't. Okay. If Cincinnati doesn't win that division, it's going to be Baltimore. Baltimore's got the best roster that they've ever had with Lamar Jackson. They're a contender. Uh, Kendarius Toney will top 1,200 receiving yards. 1,200 is a lot, but I could see it in Kansas City's offense. Uh, what else? Uh, this is a, I, you know what? I can honestly see this in a crazy world as weak as the NFC is. He, he's got this one. Washington, Washington Commanders will make the playoffs. I think I've, I've discussed with my man, the host of the Commander's Demand podcast here on The Grid, Parnell. Shout out to Parnell. Uh, great dude, good podcaster. Uh, really good podcaster, actually. Has grown tremendously. Um, he and I have discussed that the Commanders probably be better off tanking. Get the number one, number two overall pick. Make Ron Rivera, I'm sorry, uh, make uh, Eric Bieniemy your head coach. But Commanders do have a good roster. The NFC is incredibly weak. There's the age-old rule that half the playoff teams that made it will not make it the year following. Could the Commanders sneak out? I mean, Commanders almost made it last year. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now they don't have Carson Wentz. Okay? So, I wouldn't be... I've seen crazier things happen in the NFL. Let's put it that way. I could, maybe the commanders do get in. And uh, this other one, last one, I'll get to our main topic here. Russell Wilson will set career high in passing yards. That, I think, is a bit much. Now, you guys know I think Russell's going to have a big-time bounce back here. I think the Broncos are going to go 10-7 and seven and make the playoffs. Listen, I, I, stole, I sold my Russell Wilson stock last year. I, I used to believe in him as like a, a fringe top-five quarterback. That is not the case, but... Following the season, could I see him getting back into the top 10? Sure, I could. Sean Payton makes every quarterback better. He made Taysom, he made us think, hey, Taysom Hill might be a, a franchise quarterback. No, Taysom Hill is not a franchise quarterback. Sean Payton just made you made, made him out to, to look like one. So surely to goodness he can do that with Russell Wilson. But the first thing on this article, again, Bleach Reports, it's a really, really interesting piece. I Props to Gary Davenport. Six NFL players and teams that will defy expectations in 2023. The very first thing they put, and I thought, this is the most likely thing to happen on this list. The Carolina Panthers will win the NFC South. Listen, I don't do my preseason predictions until like right before the season starts because I got to wait for training camp, see if, God forbid, knock on wood, there's any injuries, see how certain guys, again, the preseason is more relevant than it's ever been, but see how certain guys look. I may pick Carolina to win the NFC South. I really might. Here's why. Tampa Bay is, is, is in a complete rebuild. I think that goes without saying. They went 8-9 with Tom Brady. This, they, they Obviously, Brady retired. Leonard Fournette, they let him go. Baker Mayfield's now the guy. I think Ch- Kyle Trask is his backup. Like, Tampa Bay's in a bad situation. Their defense is declining. Mike Evans, while still, I think, a very productive wide receiver, is going into year 10. So that's around the time even the best wide receiver starts to decline in productivity. Chris Godwin can't stay healthy. Like, Tampa's not in a not an ideal situation. So Tampa Bay, I think, is the popular pick to be last in that, in that division. I think it's fair to say. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be potentially in the Caleb Williams, Drake May sweepstakes. Or Joe Milton uh, out of Tennessee. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Well, I don't think we have any questions about their offensive personnel. They've got one of the best offensive lines in football. Believe it or not, they actually, really, they do. Check pro football focus. Their, their offensive line is outstanding. Kyle Pitts is still a remarkable talent at tight end. Drake London has shown himself to be an, a tremendous talent wide receiver, and they just drafted the best running back in this past draft, B. John Robinson. Some argue a bit high, but their offense is undeniably better for adding B. John. But is Desmond Ritter the guy? He might be. It isn't like he doesn't have the personnel to work with. It's not like he's stepping into a situation where it's like, hey, Desmond, carry us. No, no, he's got plenty of, uh, of good talent around him. By the way, Cordell Patterson. I forgot Cordell Pat- uh, Patterson. Shout out to another Tennessee guy. He's, he's done great in Atlanta. It's sort of like their, their version of Debo Samuel. They've used him sort of everywhere, more tailback than anything. But I'm not sure if Desmond Ritter's going to play out. And then the team that I thought were was the lock for a while to win the NFC South, the New Orleans Saints. Now, one could argue the Saints had the best roster in that division. They made a push for the playoffs last year with incredibly limited quarterback play, with Andy Dalton, with Jameis Winston. Uh, I don't know if they stepped, they 
put any other quarterbacks out. I don't think so. Uh, but offensive line still good. Chris Olave, you guys know I loved him out of Ohio State. I picked him before the year to be rookie of the year. He didn't win that award, but he had a big-time rookie season, over 1,000 yards. They got Michael Thomas coming back healthy. How healthy will he be? And that's still a very productive defense led by, obviously, Cam Jordan. And you know, I love Derek Carr. That I have Derek Carr as right there as the 10th best quarterback in all of football. I think he had to deal with nothing but garbage and crap with the Las Vegas Raiders. And now he comes into a stable franchise. Here's the problem with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I don't know if, if you knew this by any chance. Dennis Allen is their head coach. Now, Dennis Allen, for the record, is a tremendous defensive coordinator. And ironically, he was actually uh, he was actually Derek Carr's first NFL head coach with the Las Vegas Raiders. The problem with Dennis Allen. It is that he's 15 and 38 as an NFL head coach. Most of that with the Raiders, we understand that, but 15 and 38. On the other hand, with the Carolina Panthers, why I say that's not crazy to have them win in the NFC South. Outside of the Denver Broncos adding Sean Payton, who was like the guy, everybody was going gonna for Sean Payton. He's a top five coach in the NFL. Obviously, everybody was gonna try and go after him. I would make a case that given last year's starting head coach being Matt Rule and their head coach now, Frank Reich, is outside of Denver the second biggest jump as far as uh, uh, confidence you have in your head coach as any team in the NFL going from Matt Rule to Frank Reich, who's one of the premier offensive coaches in the National Football League. He was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. When Nick Foles, of all people, outdueled Tom Brady, I shouldn't say outdueled, went throw for throw with Tom Brady in that Super Bowl and led Philadelphia to an NFL title just five, six years ago. In Indianapolis, fun fact about, uh, about our friend Matt Rule, he opened every single season in Indianapolis with a different starting quarterback. 2018 opened with Andrew Luck. I man, I, I I was just thinking about I saw I put something on my Instagram about Andrew Luck the other day about how I would take him in his prime over Tony Romo and Cam Newton. He could have been such a great player if the if the Colts had put a freaking offensive line in front of him. That's neither here nor there. He had Andrew Luck to start 2018. He had Jacoby Brissett in 2019. He had an old Phillip Rivers in 2020. He had an out of control Carson Wentz in 2021, and had an old Matt Ryan in 2022. A different starting quarterback. All of them with certain limitations. With Luck, it was health. With with Ryan and Rivers, it was age. And with Wentz, it was just erratic play. And with, with Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett's a very good backup in the NFL, but you're not exactly you know expecting him to lead you to a Super Bowl contention. I think that's fair to say. Now he comes in with Bryce Young. Now, I have my reservations about Bryce Young. Almost all of it centered around his size. He is accurate. He does move well in and out of the pocket. He can make all the throws, most of them at least. His leadership is off the charts. But if you look at recent years with smaller quarterbacks, they haven't been quite as successful. Tua, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray struggled to stay healthy. It's been a little bit of a, and, and they, they've shown videos at training camp, and, sorry, at mini camp of Bryce Young. The kid is tiny. I mean, like, looks like a little kid out there playing. 
Now, Bryce Young, I can't call him, you know, that little. He's my height, you know. So, but for an NFL quarterback, I'm not saying he has to be built like Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence. But could he be built like Dak Prescott or Derek Carr? A big enough body can take the hits. However, they added Hayden Hurst in the offseason. They had a very good draft. They've got a good offensive line. And we saw last year, they have a tremendous defense. I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb and saying that it's going to probably take about eight or nine wins to win the NFC South this season. And I could see it coming down to the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. I would not be surprised if we get to the end of the season and New Orleans is in a lot of close games and Carolina is in a lot of close games as well. And when it comes down to situational football, that's where Carolina succeeds and excels. And that is where the New Orleans Saints butcher it. Now, I think Derek Carr is going to be very successful with the Saints in the long run. Just not this year from a winning standpoint with Dennis Allen. So could I see the Carolina Panthers winning this division? 100%. This division, in this conference, absolutely. Probably should have put Carolina's schedule up here on the show, but again, I think it's only going to take about eight or nine wins, and Carolina got, I think that's about what they got last year, like seven, eight wins with a coach firing midseason, with an upgraded roster, an upgraded quarterback. Lots to be optimistic about if you're a Panthers fan. So no, I would not be shocked if they win the South. Uh, oh, back to the CP3 uh, topic. Hang on. Barry, CP3 is not the same player. But go ahead and keep thinking the jinx isn't real. Jinxes don't apply to Golden State when Steph Curry's there. I don't know if you heard. And also, it's a scoring guard who doesn't turn the ball over, who is efficient, and is still a serviceable defender, who, by the way, unlike if he, say, went to the Boston Celtics, we only have to play him like 50 games maybe. Load manage him. But you you keep you keep with that belief there that, that jinx is a real thing. You keep you you hang on to that. Because next June, it's gonna be a very different story. Very different story. Cannot wait for this NBA season. In the NFL season, we are uh July 7th. So exactly two months today is the start of the NFL season. Lions, who are going to the NFC Championship game, and Kansas City Chiefs. Cannot wait. Before we get out of here, I do have a little bit of an announcement to make. So, similar to the end of the NFL season, and I set a goal going to every NFL season and every NBA postseason. I have yet to meet this goal in the NBA postseason. Hope to in 2024. I finally reached this goal for the NFL regular season. I did it this past season, 2022, and that's to not miss a show on Monday, Thursday, or Friday throughout the season. Like, I want to be here, talk about the latest NFL news, all the games, predict all the games, react to all the latest stories and whatnot. Last year, I was able to do that. And, but, the, of course, the the, the consequence, which I'm more than willing to to, to take because I love, I love doing this show, I love doing, doing the NFL season, but once you get past the Super Bowl, once like the first week or so after, you're like, Okay, I need a breather. That's a lot of shows to do, a lot of graphics to create, a lot of content to put out there. 
need a little bit of a, of a breather. So at the end of the NFL season, I took two weeks off, came back in like mid-March-ish, so around that time. And that's what I've decided to do now. So the NBA season's over, draft is over, majority of free agency is over, only real NBA story is the Damian Lillard story. So I'm going to take the next couple weeks off, barring, barring, if the Dame trade happens, then I may do like an emergency show, depending on the circumstances, depending on the situation, if the Dame trade happens uh, to the Miami Heat in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but if that is not is not the case, I'm going to take the next couple of weeks off. So no carving it up live the week of the uh, July 10th or 17th. I'll be back July 24th. So, so that'll be around the time training camp starts. Uh, assuming the Dame trade will be close to done, if not done by that point. And I'm sure a plethora of other news uh, in the world of sports. Uh, maybe some more stuff on Wimby. Again, he plays his first assembly game tonight. Very excited about that. And most importantly, so we're coming back to Carving Up Life. So today's July 7th. We'll be back on July 24th. And on that day, it's been long enough, I will finally, almost six months to the day, almost six months to the day, after putting it out there that I'm like, you know what? I've been a, I've called myself a free agent NFL fan for two and a half years. Like I was a Cowboys fan for about seven years. Then I became, I'm sorry, about five years, became a Dak fan. Then after a while, I'm like, okay, rooting for Dak means rooting for the Cowboys, which I'm still going to pull for Dak. Make no mistake about that. Still going to pull for Dak to succeed, regardless of who he plays, Cowboys or anyone else. Uh, but I'm like, you know what? I'm a Red Sox fan until I die. It's a great organization. I'm a Warriors fan till I die. Also a great organization. And of course, I'm Tennessee. I bleed, bleed orange and white in any of Tennessee sports. It's time I pick an NFL team. And when I first made that announcement, I had eight teams that I decided to, to choose from. A lot of them, uh, you know, again, most of them well-run franchises with either good quarterback play, good coaching. In particular, what all of them had in common is they didn't have an owner who constantly causing headlines and who is the general manager and has done a pretty porous job of that. Um, but of those eight teams, again, there was the Seahawks were in there, the Rams were in there, I think the Chargers were there. Baltimore almost made the final cut. I think Baltimore's going to have a big 2023. Um, but they didn't quite make it uh, for me. It came down to two teams. Out of the AFC... The Pittsburgh Steelers out of the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. One of those two teams. Again, you only get to swap teams once, only once. So I took this uh, careful consideration over the past six months. I'm here to tell you now, I have made a decision. I know who that team is going to be. But you will learn that on July 24th. I will announce who my team will be July 24th at the end of the show. On carving it up live. Very excited about it. Excited to to have a show kind of kind of centered around that. Steelers, Niners, one of those teams will be my forever team. With the Red Sox, with the Warriors, with Tennessee Sports. Eventually I may pick a hockey team. Probably will end up being like the Nashville Predators or something, but eventually I'll pick a hockey team one of these days. Very excited about that. So again. No carving it out for the next couple of weeks. I'll be back July 24th, about a week before the start of training camp, a couple of weeks before the start of the preseason. And on that show, I will announce who my new NFL team is. It was the Cowboys for a while. 
And for the last two and a half, I really haven't had a team at all. And that's, I got to admit, it's no fun. It's no team. It's no fun to not have a team to, to, to root for for the rest of your life, essentially. And I will announce it July 24th at the end of Carving It Up live. Until then, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live July 24th. Not on Monday, but Monday, July 24th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time. I will announce my new NFL team July 24th at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network right here on YouTube and any and everywhere you get your favorite podcasts, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Uh, for these next couple weeks when I'm off, I'll still be putting out content. I was I wasn't able to do uh, do some some uh, some personal stuff, some health stuff uh, the last time I took two weeks off, but I'll still put out content here on YouTube, on Twitter, maybe on Threads too. Maybe put some content on Threads. Test that out. Uh, very excited to be on there. Uh, TikTok, all all the social media platforms. I'll still put up content over the next couple of weeks, and I'll be back on July 24th. So, a little mini vacation for me in the middle of the summer, but I'll be hopefully more tanned uh, by, the, by, by the time I get back. So very excited about that. But I'll see you all then in 17 days. Hope everybody has a great weekend and a great next couple of two, two and a half weeks when I see you again. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. I'll be back again one more time. On July 24th, and on that show, I will announce my new NFL team. I'll still put out content for the next two and a half weeks, but very excited for that. I'll see you all then. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. And on vacation, I go. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.